When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You just, you just had a vacation? Yeah, first one in about four years, you know. What did you do? Oh, I sort of went swimming and had sex and things like that. Yeah? Yeah, interesting things. Uh, did, where did you go for the uh, vacation? Well they, <laughs> well, they got rid of me to the Virgin Islands, you know. Uh-huh. Which That's one exactly were exactly where I belong. Really. Which one were you on? Oh, I can't remember, really. Yeah? Uh, how long were you there? Uh, n- not long enough. That's... You had a good time. Yeah, but I miss New York. That's the problem. I like New York. Yeah. Yeah, because it's wild. Now, do people... Uh... When, when you're uh, out in public and in the streets and so forth, do people come up to you? Are you bothered? Are you a security problem? Well, the drug dealers in Westforth call their drugs by my names and my songs. Like, there's White Wedding, Cocaine, and Rebel Yell Quaaludes, and <laughs> Dancing With Myself smoke and stuff so yeah people recognize me everywhere really. you must be a very proud young man hey this is steve stevens you're listening to the growing up rock podcast with steven in hollywood crank it up Welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. It's the end of the month, which means it's album series review. And now that you're done eating a bunch of turkey because it's the end of November and you're getting ready for Christmas, we figured we would share Billy Idol's Rebel Yell. And so like we've done with all the rest of the episodes, we've invited a special guest to come along with us us on this journey and mediate the fights that Sonny and I get into. Welcome from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast, Brian Davis. Well, thank you guys. And uh, yes, I'm out of my tryptophan coma. So this is good. I think Rebel Yell is the perfect uh, album to get to really get people back into that. Hollywood, you let me pick this album for our album review. I don't really view you as a Billy Idol fan at all. Are you going to shit all over this album for me? Uh, I'm going to keep that a surprise. So I actually have the text here that I sent Brian. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to read it to people here. So I said, uh, "Hi Brian, for 2023, Grown Up Rock has decided to do a 40th anniversary series of albums for review versus picking a specific band. 
We're wondering if you're interested in doing one of the reviews with us. The choices that are left are Living in Oz, Rick Springfield, Holy Diver, Dio, Body Wishes by Rod Stewart, Keep It Up by Loverboy, or Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. I get a text back. Let's see. It was, uh, was it the next day? Yeah. Oh, no. It was the same day, uh, just later in the day. And it says, uh, tough to choose between Rebel Yell and Holy Diver, but I'll take Rebel Yell. So, Brian, we I gave you an out. You could have had Dio. <laughs> I, that was too on the nose because um, I am a big hard rock metal fan. I think that would have almost been too easy. You know, I still listen to Holy Diver pretty regularly. I thought Rebel Yell would be kind of more fun to revisit because, yeah, I just it's, it's one I wanted to, to go back to. Uh, I will say, though, you guys, I mean, I really enjoyed listening to the other three episodes because I actually went out and bought the, the Rod Stewart album on vinyl. I ended up getting it for like three bucks. So, you know, I, that actually would have been a nice surprise, but I don't think I would have picked it just from that list. I think what's nice about this year's album series is that it exposes uh, not only us to different albums and different types of stuff, because like you said, Brian, primarily, this is a hard rock and metal podcast for the most part. And more and more, we venture off into these other areas. We always come back to hard rock and metal, but it's nice to expose the podcast to other fans maybe that aren't pure metal heads so the rod stewart the rick springfield because i think that we've come to the point in our lives where we all say yeah we are metal heads at heart we are hard rock fans at heart but we listen to other stuff i'm not even at the point to where i want to call it guilty pleasures anymore because i'll tell you i listen to uh all these different types of music it's just nice uh, to have the variety right Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's what's really, as you mentioned, that's what's been fun about this series for you guys this year, because it, it did introduce me to some albums like I'll admit I'm not the biggest Rick Springfield fan, but there were a couple songs, deeper cuts that were not Jesse's girl uh, on that album. I'm like, oh, OK, that, that's great. So I, I think that was really smart of you guys to do that. So good job. Please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Let's start with the history of Billy Idol and Rebel Yell in particular. Sonny, why don't you give us your history uh, with Billy Idol and this album in particular? Yeah, Billy Idol for me is all MTV. And, you know, we've said it before, especially since I'm an MTV kid. You know, whatever music you were getting into, whether it was New Wave or whether it was R&B or whether it was Motown or hard rock like us, MTV didn't play that stuff in snippets until like headbangers ball and that kind of stuff showed up so you would have to sit there and wait for your songs to maybe play you didn't know what song was coming next so you were kind of almost an mtv prisoner if that makes sense just sitting there waiting for something and then you would hear a billy idol song and for me it was like well i'm listening to like michael jackson and wham and hall and oats and i really love that and I'm listening to Flock of Seagulls and Oingo Boingo and bands like that. And I'm like, Bangles. I'm like, I kind of like that new wave stuff. And then I was listening to a, hard, a lot of hard rock. And Billy Idol seemed to be like a mix of all of them. So it was like, man, this is really cool. I don't know what he's doing with his lip there. I don't quite get that. And I don't understand why everybody thinks he's hot. But his music is pretty cool. So I remember buying this album probably mid-80s, somewhere in there. It was one of those albums where I listened to it a couple of times, and it's still in my library somewhere, and just kind of threw in the library. 
and ended up getting Vital Idol later. And then that was kind of my go-to was anytime I wanted to listen to Idol, I went to Vital Idol. So until about probably a couple of weeks ago, I had not listened to this album in full for probably uh, my ballpark at 28 years. So I would say I'm an Idol fan. I love the hits. I don't know a lot of the lead, uh, deep tracks. But if you're a rock fan and you're kind of a rebel liker, if that makes sense, there's not really a whole a lot of reason to hate Idol. Brian, how about you? What's your history with Billy Idol and with Rebel Yell, the album in particular? Sure. So, you know, growing up in the 80s, it was kind of impossible not to hear or see Billy Idol. Even today, when you see like kind of the montages of music artists, you know, music artists from the 80s, more often than not, you will see that patented Billy Idol snarl appearing in those clips. So for me in this album, I was only five years old when this came out, but I was still aware of his songs because of radio. So as I mentioned, when I guessed it on your guys' 1984 Van Halen episode, my mom was always hip to like newer artists of the day. So I'd inevitably hear, you know, what was popular during that era because of her. Now, Sonny mentioned MTV. What's funny is we didn't have MTV until I was in eighth grade. That's like 91. So I totally missed out on the visual of Billy Idol, you know, in his videos during that era. Unless I went to like a friend's house or something like that, then I'd see him. But I'm pretty sure I had my parents buy Rebel Yell on cassette for me because I definitely remember being in my rotation. I had other tapes, but they were mostly soundtracks. So it was like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, the Blues Brothers, things like that. But I always dug Billy's voice because it was like a combination of what I would find out, Elvis, Jim Morrison, and then like those soul screams that my dad loved, like Wilson Pickett and James Brown. So, but as I got older, I was kind of like, you know, the unsung hero of Billy's music, it's Steve Stevens, because I don't think he got enough credit in the 80s because of that production. It was very kind of glossy and everything. But then when you like, I ended up seeing Billy a couple times in the early 2000s and the heaviness of the guitar from Steve Stevens it's much more prominent. And I, I think now Steve gets more credit than he, I think he did uh, in the eighties, but no, I, I love Billy Idol and uh, spoiler alert. I do. <laughs> I do really like this album. Yeah. So I think that for a lot of metal heads, it was Steve Stevens that kind of drew us in. Uh, I'm a lot like you guys. I didn't get into idol until like the MTV thing is what got me into idol that. And the fact that there was this one, are you guys familiar with what a bottle club is? No, either one of uh, you. No, that All sounds right. like champagne room. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I know what a champagne room is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little bit different, but, uh, so I, I grew up in a small town and there wasn't a whole lot to do in that small town, but what we did have are these late night bottle clubs and, and what a bottle club is, is basically you can bring your own bottle of booze in and you pay a fee and, uh, you can drink from that and they stay open until crazy hours. Like usually they don't open until midnight. And then they're open till four or five o'clock in the morning, whatever. But they, this one particular bottle club had a cover band that would play on Friday and Saturday nights. I had a fake ID. I could get into the bottle club and they mainly played like 80s music. But the one tune that they played constantly and they played it actually pretty well was Rebel Yell and White Wedding. Both of those tunes. So we would go and just hang out and shoot shit. And, you know, it's just a good gathering hangout place for young 
rock and rollers as ourselves, And uh, that's one of the things that got me into Idol at the beginning. That's kind of the first time that I heard of him. I didn't know anything about Generation X or any of that stuff beforehand. So I don't think I ended up picking up this album till much later, probably when I became more of a Steve Stevens fan is when I got this record. But obviously, because of all the singles and all the hits, I'd already heard everything. Uh, So it was a matter of just kind of picking it up from my personal library at that point. This is kind of a a greatest hits for him, right? This record, Rebel Yell. And there was a lot of stuff to bridge the gap between the hard rocker and the punk slash pop fans, so to speak. So we'll get into this record as we go. If you're a Spotify listener, check out some of the killer playlists we have put together for your listening pleasure. Links to the playlist are in the show notes, or just search Growing Up Rock Playlist in Spotify. So let's get into some basic facts about the album. The album was released November of 83. It was recorded in 83. The studio was Electric Ladyland. The label was Chrysalis, and he was using, again, longtime producer Keith Forsey. The album peaked at Billboard number 200 at number six. It is double platinum in the U.S., and the album title, Billy said, came from the fact that he was attending a party with the Rolling Stones, and they were drinking Rebel Yell bourbon whiskey. Have either of you guys ever heard about this whiskey? Sonny, you're the the big ex-drinker. Have you heard of Rebel Yell bourbon whiskey? I have never heard that, but there is whiskey that's only available in Europe that's not available here. So it's possible that wasn't here. That's true. How about you, Brian? Uh, absolutely not. But I did hear that story. Uh, there's a terrific performance, I want to say, in the late 90s, early 2000s, where Billy Idol did the uh, VH1 Storytellers, where he goes through some of his greatest hits. And, and that was one of the stories he kind of relayed. So if you're a big Billy Idol fan, that's a fun episode because he'll he'll talk about the songs and he performs them. That's awesome. The singles released for this album was uh, Rebel Yell in October of 83, Eyes Without a Face in May of 84, Flesh for Fantasy in September of 84, and Catch My Fall in November of 84. Uh, So those are spread out over the course of almost an entire year uh, when you look at that. The album cover features Billy Idol and some lettering. You guys have seen the album cover. Brian, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this album cover? Yeah, it's always fun to talk. I love when you guys do this because the the cover sometimes is as important as the music. Far too often, I think, and I really try to avoid this term, and it's the word iconic, because it's used all the time now when describing things that really aren't iconic. So, But when it comes to an album, and especially album covers in the 80s, this really is an iconic album cover. He's got that spiky blonde hair, the rock on fist, that neon blue lettering. It's right up there, I'd say, with Duran Duran's Rio album cover when you think of 80s you know, pop album covers. And, and there's a handful of artists that you think of in the 80s when it comes to look. I would say two main ones, Madonna, Cyndi Lauper, and I think Billy Idol. Like when you see the history of like 80s you know, montages and uh, the music video era, those three you see all the time. Billy Idol's got to be in there. Do you think Billy Idol copped his look from Sting or Sting from Billy Idol? Ooh, I, you know, 
great, great, because they both kind of came around the same time, like in that, that yeah. 70s. So I don't know. That's a good uh, flip a coin. It's all from the Sex Pistols. It doesn't matter. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Very, very similar in their in their looks, all of them in that respect. And Billy, of course, is shirtless on the album cover. He's still in great shape today. I mean, yeah. he he really stayed in shape as much uh, stuff that he's put his body through. Sonny, what are your thoughts on this album cover? I really like the album cover. I think it's a good idea to put Billy at the front because, you know, he's a rock god. You know, he's about to step into iconic status here. The whole, the blurriness of like the orange into the picture, it's kind of like, it's almost like Flash, right? It's like there's all this stuff that's happening and when it slows down, this is who's doing it kind of thing. He's shirtless, but they're not showing his nipples and his (laughs) stomach and blah, 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 which is a good idea. I love that the yell is italicized, right? So it's like the rebel is straight, but the yell is on the crooked a little bit. I thought that was a good idea. I think the back of the album having side three and four to coincide with side one and two of the previous album is a good idea. I think giving Steve Stevens a shot to be on the album cover on the backside is a good idea. The whole idea of this thing is good because you got two good-looking guys. He still looks rebel. And it would catch your attention at the record store. And I think that's the intent. So, you know, early on, it's Billy Idol. It's all about Billy Idol, right? He got all the recognition. He's the hero. He's the artist. You didn't hear a whole lot about Steve Stevens. But over the years, Steve emerged in different settings, whether it was guesting on Michael Jackson tracks or doing movie soundtracks or whatever. Steve kind of made a name for himself over the years. And really now, especially like most recently, I mean, I saw Billy Idol probably three years ago. I I, I get messed up with COVID. I think it was pre-COVID when I saw him. But he, he gives a lot of recognition live to Steve. Like Steve has almost become a partner, almost to the point of kind of like Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. It's become Billy Idol and Steve Stevens at this point. So all the tracks were written by Billy and Steve, except for a couple of things here and there. But yeah, it's nice to see because Steve Stevens really is a great artist. We had him on the podcast uh, several years back and uh, he was just, he's a good interview and a really nice guy. And uh, if you're interested in that, go check out that episode with uh, Steve Stevens. It's a, it's a great interview. All right, so let's get to the tracks. Before we get to the tracks, a couple of tidbits here. Steven mentioned that the album stalled at six. Here's the five it couldn't beat. And I want to get each of your takes to see if he deserved to beat these five. And we'll start with uh, Brian after I read the five for you. So at number five, Can't Slow Down, Lionel Richie. Four, Heartbeat City, The Cars. Three, Sports, Huey Lewis and the News. Two Purple Rain Prince, one born the USA Bruce. <laughs> Ryan, just bad timing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say I like Rebel Yell more than Born in the USA, though I don't mind that album. But yeah, there's no way you're going to beat any of those. I love that Lionel Richie album. <laughs> so, oh, no, you're not, no, you're not beating it. Sorry. That's, yeah, that Cars album is amazing, too. So, nope. He can Rebel Yell all he wants, but he's not getting by those five. And Steven, we don't know this, but it's possible Chrysalis waited out Thriller. Hmm. 
So they wanted to see if Thriller would get off the top spot before they even released Billy Idol, possibly. But Thriller's not in this top five, and I don't know if he could have beat this, right? No, and I don't think that was any, that wouldn't have been logic of Chrysalis because at this point, you've got a second year guy with a second record. He had some success. There's no, no way they knew that the success they were going to have with this record. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so first track is Rebel Yell. Brian, you know, Billy sounds great. There's the right amount of grit to make it sound rebel. And it's a simple guitar with good keyboard. Very radio friendly. What'd you think about Rebel Yell? Oh, it, it's still my favorite Billy Idol song. I, I like, even like the acoustic versions of this song. It encapsulates everything that's great about Billy Idol. The attitude, the groove, and most importantly for him, crossover appeal like you like you guys have mentioned the song is heavy enough for the rockers still super catchy for the pop fans i mean the hooks are pop perfection i never get tired of, of this song it's it's really that simple i just i can hear it now and it still brings me back to being a kid and i love it and steven it's one of his i guess iconic songs but if you really just take a listen it is kind of a combination of white wedding and dance with myself it's like a New kid born from those two songs. Yeah, that's an interesting spin on it. That's funny. Harken back to what Brian was saying earlier. Iconic and legend are the two words that are most <laughs> overused ever uh, nowadays. But yeah, that's an interesting take. And I actually, I can see that. I, I just never heard described that way. I love it. I love the emotion in his voice. Uh, I love the guitar. I love the guitar intro. I mean, it sort of sounds like keyboards there at the beginning, and they're probably doubling it with keyboards, but it's also Steve's uh, technique there at the beginning that was sort of new and innovative at the time that he was doing stuff like this, which, you know, again, that made him such a great partner and such a great talent. It's a fantastic song, uh, and I don't need to hear bands like Queensryche uh, <laughs> do covers of it and put it on their albums. That's just me personally agreed 
All right, so the second song of the album is Daytime Drama, and we were talking about Sting a little bit earlier. And when this song starts, Brian, it almost sounds like the police. Very odd from uh, it being the second song after the rebel of the first song. Oh, this is total filler. For the most part, much of this album, as you'll find out, plays like a greatest hit. But for a second song, Daytime Drama should have been buried on side two as the second to last track, or better yet, a B-side. Now, granted, any song that comes after Rebel Yell would probably pale in comparison, for me at least, but this song is borderline brutal, as uh, our hero Sonny Pooney would say. And actually, Sonny, you need to, you need to trademark that, <laughs> because uh, th- that's your Michael Buffer, let's get ready to rumble. Brutal should be, should be trademarked, and that's what I feel about this song. <laughs> Steven, I, this song is just really dated now. Like for Rebel Yell still feels like it could have been done yesterday. Daytime drama does not. First of all, I sense a t-shirt shop being set up with brutal <laughs> shirts being made by the Grown Up Rock podcast. I'm a day one buyer. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have as much hate for daytime drama as you guys do. I like the funky riff at the beginning. I like the riff that's happening underneath the verses. I actually like daytime drama. Do I like it as much as Rebel Yell? No, but I like the song. There's nothing for me to hate on uh, in terms of this song. All right. The third song, Eyes Without a Face. So uh, you get the ballad. I think Billy does a good job of selling the Rebel two songs ago and selling the ballad, which a lot of folks can't do. So, Brian, I saw this... uh, interview and he said i started to use eyes without a face as a possible title lyric chorus for the song i began to write the words in some disguised form spoke about my life in new york and a relationship gone wrong on the edge of disintegrating into madness perhaps i was reflecting on my own touring infidelities Mm -hmm. in a way those can leave you feeling soulless especially if you're already in a relationship that you value but you are degrading by looking somewhere else for additional sexual kicks uh that's kind of deep i didn't realize how deep the song was until i started researching it your thoughts on the song 
Oh, yeah. And there's tons about this song that's really interesting. One, you get back on track with another hit. So that's good. The video and the song, uh, it's they're super creepy. Uh, it's dark. It's really dark and haunting, just like the film that also this title is inspired by, which I don't know if you guys have seen. I doubt it. But it's a 1960 French movie of the same title. And if you haven't seen the film and you enjoy horror and suspense, it's really well done. It's still very creepy today. It's in black and white. But just to give you the premise of the film, so it's about a plastic surgeon who decides to kill women in order to use their facial skin in order to perform surgery on his daughter who was disfigured in a car accident. So there's that. <laughs> and then if you were wondering about the chorus, it's basically Eyes Without a Face sung in French. So it's the, I'm going to butcher this, but Les You Sans Visage, that is uh, what's being sung. And it's actually performed by, ironically, Billy's longtime girlfriend, Perry Lister, and they were together most of the 80s, though he was out, you know, gallivanting around with other women. For the song itself, the bass line and then the various percussion bits, to me, are what make this song really memorable. Plus the breakdown where Steve uh, is coming in and playing these great power riffs. That's that's awesome. It's not a song that will uh, necessarily grab you immediately, but after repeat listens, it really does stick with you. And I, I think the key here again is Steve, the Steve Stevens breakdown. Otherwise, the song could be like too repetitive, but it doesn't happen because of that. Yeah, and Stephen, the song is written well enough to where if you just turn it down and you can't really hear the lyrics, but you just kind of hear the music, it could be background dinner music. You wouldn't really know the difference. But just to let you know, so this song topped out at number four, the three it couldn't beat on that date. Jump for My Love, Point of Sisters, Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen, and number one on that date, When Doves Cry, Prince. Hmm. Not bad. I'd take four, right, Stephen? Yeah, four's pretty good place in company with those tunes. Yeah, so I, I dig the mysterious feel to it. I mean, I call it mysterious just because I don't know any other word to use for the feel of the keyboards and the vocals in this song at the beginning. 
I like the female course right before the actual course. I think that's cool. The metal riff that Brian talked about in the middle, I'm going to basically hearken exactly back to what Brian said, uh, which is this song without that metal riff, it becomes repetitive and probably a little boring if it doesn't have it. But that metal riff to me in the middle changes the song up enough and keeps it interesting to me personally. So, yeah, I I dig it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh, man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. And to round out the first side, we have Blue Highway. And Brian, to me, this is kind of like Billy Idol's Highway Star. Like, Steve's doing a lot of noodling throughout the song. And I like the pace of the song, but the whole way, a, 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 I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> it would have fine without the a, 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 a. But I guess Billy does that a lot, right? He does. I mean, that that is his shtick. This song and then the song Rebel Yo, I think, are the two most straightforward rock songs on this album. But uh, even this track has some pop elements, you know, because you have that synth sheen to it. Uh, it's definitely not a greatest hit, but he kind of plays it often in concert. And it's just a good, upbeat rocker. I would prefer for his non-single album tracks to be in this style instead of something like Daytime Drama. Uh, there's also a really good breakdown that features, again, some great Steve Stevens guitar licks and solos. This is also my favorite solo from Steve. I, I, you know, I will say Billy and Steve do a great job on song breakdowns. As Steven was also mentioning, that prevents a song from getting too repetitive and getting boring. I think they know that if you put in a good breakdown, that breaks up the monotony. Yeah, and Steven, this song, I mean, it could have ended probably a minute earlier than it did. But if you think about it, the first three songs, although Steve's all over the place, he doesn't really get a chance to show off. The last minute of this song seems like he gets a little bit of a chance to show off. 
Yeah, so you know this is a great tune for me because it's flat-out rocker, right? You got the hard rock and riff uh, that drives this song. The interesting thing about this song for me is that it's pretty much the most straight-ahead song on side one. Probably the most straight-ahead song on this record altogether. I mean, it's just it's a straight-out rock tune with a driving riff, yet this is the longest song on side one at 505 versus some of the other songs. And so I find that a little bit uh, interesting just because songs like Eyes Without a Face, Rebel Yell, even Daytime Drama, they have these different layers and different changes in them uh, where Blue Highway really doesn't to me. To me, this is a driving song, drive with the top down really fast. I mean, it's called Blue Highway, but to me, it's like roll the windows down and crank up the stereo and go. For me, it's a great ending to Side One, and I really, really like how Side One flows. Rebel Yell, Daytime Drama, Eyes Without Face, and then you pick it back up and end on a bang with Blue Highway. I think that's a great side of of music. You talked about him noodling at the end. Listen to this song and listen for it as it's fading out. It's in there. Uh, but Steve Stevens does this little crazy guitar squeal at the end. That's really cool. And it's at the very, very end, like as, as it's fading out, but it, it, he just, he makes that guitar squeal for sure on that note. I love it. So my good friend, it's So then getting to side two, the first song, Flesh for Fantasy, <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Billy Idol songs don't have a ton of backing vocals, so I guess, flesh! And a bunch of people saying that, I guess that's considered backing vocals, I don't know. 
yeah, gang, you know, gang vocals. This is another hit, and it's similar in vibe as in tempo as Eyes Without a Face. And I love that intro bass line. That kind of flows seamlessly into the synths. And then when Steve starts, you know, doing the jangly guitar chords, it's so good. And again, this is where Billy Idol was the 80s master of quote-unquote dance rock. It's also why the 80s music is still revered today. Everything about this song is kind of ear candy. It's just super catchy. Sonny mentioned the big call-out chorus, the power chords during the breakdown, and even like that mini bass solo. Again, another killer breakdown. It's probably, I would say, my third favorite track on the album. It's just, it's awesome. It deserved to be a hit. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Yeah, and Stephen, like you kind of said, some of this stuff is straight-ahead rock. This one has a little more groove to it because of the bass line like we've been talking about. But I think it's songs like this where the chug of the guitar, the 
distortion of the guitar is kind of hidden really well in radio-friendly songs that gives him, like, pop cred and rock cred, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a lot of the melody changes that uh, that add in that sort of pop flavor. It's Steve Stevens that brings the rock with the guitar. To me, Flesh for Fantasy is very much a uh, brother or sister song to Eyes Without a Face in a lot of ways. We talked about Eyes Without a Face being inspired by a movie this one also was inspired by a 1943 movie called Flesh for Fantasy. I love the sexy groove in this one. I love the rocking sections. It's just a, a well-written song. Uh, you know, I mean, I basically I feel the same way about this song as I did with Eyes Without a Face. I, I dig it. Second song on side two, we get Catch My Fall. And Brian, when the song started, I'm like, wait a second, is this Thriller? Like, it almost started like Thriller. But if you notice, this is the only song that doesn't have a Steve Stevens co-write. And Brian, I believe that Steven basically said, or Steve Stevens basically said, don't put my name on that shit. I don't like it. <laughs> I disagree for the first time today, but that's good. That's okay. It's actually my second favorite song on the album. And it would definitely be my favorite if the song Rebel Yell wasn't on the album. So I'm glad we're back on on, on point where I disagree with Sonny. So thank you. Another great intro baseline. And to drop the movie knowledge, if you're a fan of 80s teen movies, the instrumental on this song is featured often throughout the movie, some kind of wonderful from uh, 1987, which had Eric Stoltz and Leah Thompson and Mary Stuart Masterson. You can hear it throughout the movie. But again, this is yet another example of Billy being able to write a terrific pop song, you know, pop rock songs that have crossover appeal. And like other songs on this album, there's saxophone on this one. And I like those little earworms he'll bring in, like he'll do percussion, he'll do saxophone. And they throw in these great touches that never make the songs repetitive or boring. And another underrated guitar solo from Steve Stevens as well on this. I have no time, so I will sing. But I will win, yeah Lost on the lovers Fellow travelers, yeah Leave me sad and hollow Out and it works It could happen to you So think for yourself If I should stumble Yeah, I I gotta disagree with the song the <laughs> song because Stephen the sax just takes the rebel out of Billy. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, but as we've already mentioned, there's a lot of there's a lot of pop qualities to Billy as well. And and let's face it, this record is an '80s record, so saxophone was was known to make many appearances in the 80s i actually like this song i do understand that it's a a billy song only my comments on this uh in my notes were that i actually like it it has a very 80s feel more so than i i understand the whole record is 80s but this song in particular seems like it would be a perfect fit for one of those teen movies, one of those John Hughes movies at the time. It seems like it would fit very well on a movie soundtrack of that type. I don't mind this song. Well, and, and it did. It was on Some Kind of Wonderful. So There you go. <laughs> okay, third song on the second side, we get Crank Call. And Brian, this was one of the songs. I read the lyrics about 18 times. I still don't know. What the hell he's talking about? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Steve wrote the lyrics on this one. I, I yeah, that's possible. <laughs> here are one of the few album tracks that I actually like more, or not more, but I like as much as the hit singles. Unfortunately, throughout Billy's discography, his albums are kind of chock full of fi- you know filler. I, I think he's really a singles artist in my book, but uh, I think Crank Call is really good. It probably should have been the second song on the album instead of Daytime Drama. If this was the second track after Rebel Yell, uh, it probably would get more love. I mean, lyrics, <laughs> forget the lyrics, but uh, I really like the main riff from Steve. And it's it's definitely one of the heavier tracks on the album, which I'm sure Steven appreciates as well. Uh, Steven, okay, so follow me here. When I say, oh, yeah, I want you to say, all right. Okay, you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. That's the best part of the song. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with you, Pooney. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a flat out rock song and I love the pop feel that comes into play as well. It's just a, it's a fun song. I don't lyrics. I, that's why I don't bother with lyrics. I don't read them. I don't know. <laughs> Crank call. Da, 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 da. I love it. Love the bouncy riff. It's just a good song. Feels great. And it, it flows well on this record. Uh, I'm, on Brian's side with this tune.
Like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. Stupid words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Four song on the second side. Uh, do not, in parentheses, stand mm-hmm. in the shadows. This is the first time you really kind of hear Steve being more bluesy. Like the guitar solo is even a little more bluesy. And he's doing a bunch of different stuff in the songs, Brian, that if you're not listening for it, you wouldn't notice it. Oh, totally agree. And this is also, I don't know if you guys really checked out Generation X that much. I think Steven kind of mentioned a little bit. This is a, a bit of a callback to kind of his punk roots from that band. But this has more like 80s pop sheen. It, it's not a bad track. It's definitely an album track. Probably a little bit of filler. I still find it enjoyable. It, it gets the dreaded second to last song in the album placement, which again, I think should have been saved for daytime drama. I think if this was the seventh song or maybe even the last song and, you know, in my opinion, they would have been a lot better, but no, it's not bad. And I, I do dig some generation X. So yeah. Yeah. Steven, I like the pace of the song and it's going along. And then I'm like, Oh, my, my attention must've been grabbed by something else. Cause the song's over and I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? So I rewind back, and I'm like, wait a second. I missed the end of the song. Then. Wait a second. I rewind back. It, it's the, the song fades out too quick. Like, it's there one second, and then it's not there no more. Well, I think that this song is a hidden pop gem. So we've talked about there are many pop sensibilities on this record mixed with rock, and it's they do a really good job with that. But this one, at three minutes and ten seconds, it is the shortest song on the record as a whole, but it's just, to me, it's just nothing to hate on with this song. I think it just, it feels good to me. It's a great pop gem. Uh, and still there's enough guitar to make me happy. And I, yeah, I love this song. For me, Catch My Fall, Crank Call, and Do Not Stand in the Shadows, some may say there's filler there. To me, I like it. I think that's a great run of three songs personally uh and so for me side two so far is great
And then the last song on the album, The Dead Next Door. And I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me here, but uh, Brian, this is in the running of the worst ending to an album of all time in rock history. I don't fucking get this at all. Are we in Bizarro World? Because I 100% agree with Sonny. This is a fitting title because Dead is right. What a horrible way to end such a fantastic album. This is a total dud. Uh, Do Not Stand in the Shadows would have been a much, much better album closer. I, you know, when I had this on cassette as a kid, I would fast forward the cassette to the beginning because once this song came on to me, the album was over. Again, terrible way to end an album. And yes, I agree with Sonny. It is awarded the crown as not only the worst song on this album, but might be the worst song of Billy's career. Horrible. And Stephen, I'm going to ask you, I guess, who's at fault? Because who allows this shit to be this way? (laughs) Well, I'm guessing that they think it's great. I don't know. So, so, okay. Uh, Let me be the voice of reason. And the voice of reason is... uh, It sucks. (laughs) Be the voice of reason here. We got a threefer here. We're all in agreement. This song is awful. Okay, that's the first thing. Let me get that out of the way. My notes exactly were, meh, not a great ending to an awesome record. So here's what I would say. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but when I started listening to this record for the first time in how many years uh, and going through it, doing the homework for this episode, I came to the realization of, oh my God, this actually, I think, would be a Desert Island record for me. I like every song on it. (laughs) And then you get to song five on side two and you go, oh, my God, this is never going to be a Desert Island record for me because this song blows. So, yeah, unfortunately, this is an awful ending to an otherwise great record for me personally. And it just it's not good. I don't I don't love it. And it's not out yet. But we got an episode coming up uh, sometime in in early next year. That's uh, a dirty dozen episode of terrible album closers. And this could Mm. this could have been on that. But it is not spoiler alert. This is not part of it. But it definitely could be uh, because it's awful. Yeah, I think you. this could be another fun. You're going to do an episode similar to that. But that's another good idea, like almost desert albums, if not for one or two songs. I think that'd be fun. And also to call back 
the wedding singer when George is singing, uh, don't, uh, don't you really want to hurt me for the millionth time? Uh, you suck. If Billy was going to sing this, I think you would get a lot of you sucks out there. So, yeah. All right. So that's the album. I want to get everybody's top two, bottom two, and final thoughts. I'll go first, and then we'll get to Brian and then Steven. My top two are easy. Rebel Yell, Eyes Without a Face. Yes, it was the two biggest hits on this album, but uh, they're the ones that stand out to me. My, the two worst, the the dead next door thing, that's just dumb. And then I didn't love Daytime Drama either. With Rebel Yell, a total album. I mean, you got hard rock, you got pop, you got new wave, kind of all rolled into one. To me, overall, the hits and the great songs are so great. That overall, it is a good to great album for me. Billy does a good job of kind of blending the rock energy and the new wave energy of 1983 and putting some listable songs out there. Many could not do that. They either sided on one or the other side. They didn't do a great blend of it. And then after this, Billy Idols, I mean, he's headed for iconic status after this. He is... The rock star of rock stars showing up everywhere he he could have showed up at. He even does a door song later on that becomes a hit. And then, you know, gets into drugs and whatever rock and roll brings your way and disappears for a little while that brings uh, makes a comeback. So this album plus Billy Idol's just personality and his life would make a great movie someday. Somebody's going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars right in that script. It reads like a movie. It should be. So definitely worth the listen overall if you have not heard this album in a long time. Brian, your thoughts, top two, bottom two, and forward. Yeah, top two, easily uh, Rebel Yell and Catch My Fall for me. And the worst, we're on the same page, The Dead Next Door and Daytime Drama. Uh, he did release a book, you know, an autobiography about his life. It is definitely worth reading. Crazy, crazy stories. Terrific stories. Uh, you know, was in a really serious motorcycle accident that could have ended his life, let alone, you know, not just his career, but his life. Part of the reason why you watch the Cradle Love video that, you know, he's kind of in the background shot in kind of, uh, uh, you know, a, a video type style where the main person is not him. Uh, and that's part of the reason because he could barely stand up. Uh, one thing I would say about this album, it is by far his best album as a whole. So if you're looking to get into him and you're not going to buy a greatest hits, this would be the album to buy. I'm really glad that we kind of revisited this because I will continue to go back to this one. And two other things about Billy that you, you might miss out on. Um, if you're a fan of metal and you've heard Tony Iommi's soul album, which I think it came out in 2000, one of the best songs he did on there was the last song, which is called Into the Night, which is Billy Idol. So if you ever wonder what Billy would sound like, just straight up metal, it's terrific. Check that out. And then if you didn't know this, the famous song, Don't You Forget About Me, which was done by Simple Minds and is on The Breakfast Club, they wanted Billy to do it. They offered it to Billy. They even wrote it for Billy. And he turned it down for whatever reason. And if you listen to the Simple Minds version, which everyone knows, the vocal phrasing in the whole song is basically Billy Idol. I really, I don't know, maybe at the time he was writing, I didn't think he needed the song, but that would have been yet another hit for him. So much so that if you listen to one of his greatest hits albums, he does a cover of it, uh, which is slightly different than the Simple Minds version, but you could hear where, no, this was written totally for Billy. And Steven, your thoughts? Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit differently with uh, my top two songs. My top two songs are Rebel Yell and Blue Highway. I love Blue Highway. My bottom two Oddly enough, we are all in agreement. <laughs> I actually like daytime drama, 
but I had to pick one and I just couldn't see daytime drama coming before some of the other songs on the record. So my bottom two is the dead next door, which is a sort of a no brainer. And then daytime drama, uh, would be my second, but I don't mind that song. I think overall, this record is uh, just a, a solid record. It's a great rock record. And if you're into the heavier side of, of Billy Idol, I would encourage people to go check out uh, 2005's Devil's Playground. I think that yeah. record is really good. All right. So let's connect it to Kiss. Hey, Hollywood. You know what time it is. Let's connect it to Kiss. You So for the Kiss Connection, we're going to stick with the 1983 Connection for the 40th anniversary, go with a song off of Lick It Up, because of course that was released in 1983, but we're going to go to a cover version of one of the songs. So let me introduce you to a Brazilian rock band called Hard, colon, On. Yes, Hard On. <laughs> yes, Hard On. Get over it. The band's name, Hard On. Okay? So here is Chris Hoff on vocals, Alex Hoff on guitar, Ricardo Bolo on bass, and Daniel Golan on drums with their version of Not for the Innocent. You said colon.
Uh, I like this uh, boner's <laughs> version of uh, Not for the Innocent. Boner has a good uh, version. <laughs> yeah, Brian, his uh, accent comes out a little bit every once in a while. Could you, I don't know if you could notice it. I, I did. Uh, one, this is one of my favorite Kiss songs of any era. I, I adore this song. I, I love it. Uh, but uh, do you, have you ever guys ever heard of the actor Josh Gad? Um, if you haven't, go look him up. Uh, did he join a Kiss tribute band? Because that's who that lead singer looks like. I don't know. Makeup, a mask, a hazmat suit, anything would have helped this guy. Oh, so here's where not watching the video would have been better for me because and I know I should be better than this, but I'm not. Sorry. Uh, I should have just heard the audio. As a song on its fine, it's fine on its on its own, but it's it's basically a carbon copy. It's a little detuned a bit, but really nothing special. I would avoid the video at all costs. It's so cringy, but uh, so just listen to it. Don't. But again, now you're all going to check it out. And yes, Josh Gad is singing Kiss. So yeah, because the name's not bad enough. The video right. is cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They, they're they trying to, sh- you know, no, they're trying their best to get everyone not to listen to this. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's the capper for uh, Billy Idol's Rebel Yell. That ends our November. And uh, once again, Brian Davis, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. We appreciate your participation. As always, do you have anything you would like to uh, tell the listeners before we get up on out of here? Sure. So my my movie podcast, Damn Good Movie Memories, you guys probably already know all this. Uh, Steven and Sonny have guested many times. They're going to also be on future episodes, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we also like to do crossover episodes. Maybe keep an eye out for that as well. And uh, yeah, anywhere you download your podcast, you can uh, you can find past episodes. There's ton to go back go back on and and check out. So enjoy that. And yeah, thank you guys for having me on again. It's always a blast. I always look forward to this. And it was when Sonny originally messaged me this, this was back in, in January, I think, or uh, maybe even before that. And so it took so long to, to kind of get ready for this. But once it finally happened, it was like Christmas in uh, you know November. So this is great. So thank you guys. Absolutely. And we'll give the listeners a little Easter egg here. Look for a crossover episode coming up next month. Why, you say? Because we already recorded it. <laughs> but uh, there you go. We won't tell you what it is, but it's fun. Look for it. Uh, Sonny, do you have anything you want to add before we get up on out of here? Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you're looking for that Steve Stevens interview, It was episode 43, way back, released in April of 2018. So check that out. My, how time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's it. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, listeners. We are out of here. See ya. Later. It's time to shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Get ready to turn it up. In the devil's playground with an idle mind Straight up, ready to go, announce the time Does it still have the magic? Yes, it does He'll be famous just because Just because Just because you have to change your mind sometimes
Growing Up Rock is a proud member of the Pantheon Network. Pantheon is the place for music lovers. Check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.